Hey guys, Panda here again. This is the final part in our four-part series of episodes with Gio and Yasha from Empty Movement. I hope you guys have enjoyed it so far because we definitely enjoyed doing it. Gio and Yasha are great and we can't wait to have them back on the show. Uh, I wanted to take a moment to thank our newest patron because it's been about three episodes since I brought that up and I keep forgetting to. So thank you to Jasmine King, our latest patron on our Patreon. Uh, We really appreciate it. We appreciate all our patrons. You guys help make this easier to do every week. And I just wanted to thank everyone else for uh, sticking with us through hiatuses and uh, off-schedule episodes like this one. Sorry, guys. But I love all of you, and I hope you enjoy this last episode. Well, this isn't our last episode. I mean, part four of four. Enjoy. Set that up. Yeah, and she arranged literally that. brought Akio, this girl, on a silver platter. She dropped him at, like like a cat dropping a mouse <laughs> in front of their owner. Half dead. Literally. Literally how Anthe yeah. did this. So, I mean, on one hand, it speaks to Anthe's complicity in that, and it also speaks to Anthe's sense of complicity to the system Her resistance. at large. Yeah, her resistance too, because she's so. As soon as Akio contacts her, she's just like, uh, "Oh, uh, wait, uh, no." She's I not happy know. with the role she's, she's not. taken, and so she gives him nothing. She no. she just absolutely withdraws and withholds her information, information, but her mood, her right. emotions. So on one hand, you have her bringing him literally a bouquet of roses and literally in a sense of this represents Utna and her innocence that she's literally dragged him like yeah. a half dead animal to again it's like a cat dragging a mouse to its owner yeah but when she brings it she's already not happy with what she's done because she says i would rather not look at the real stars yeah and you get in that moment the only time the projector is ever used as if it were a projector yes because she is looking at the constellations mapped across the ceiling, which you never see at any other point in the series, which yeah. is what you would have seen if that projector had functioned as a projector the way it was designed at the time. And we're not going to get into that because I'm a nerd and you want to hear about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it's wonderful to listen to her talk, isn't it? <laughs> You guys are great. I love you. Honestly. <laughs> like, this I, is what's so fun. <laughs> I can literally describe... We can do this all day. <laughs> what the visual... Well, you've been doing it for 20 years, so... Yes. Yes. And I'm a nerd. <laughs> so, I've actually... can Like, I actually know what the visual the projector would have created based on the design of the projector. Because he's using a two-headed sphere projector. <laughs> That is the nerdiest thing I've ever heard. Oh no, I can't do worse. <laughs> do do okay. okay, okay, okay. I will because I've had too much to drink. <laughs> no, we've been drinking. Oh, we've been drinking. <laughs> so he has a starball projector. So a two-headed projector in each side is supposed to correspond to a respective sphere of the hemisphere. So in the northern yeah. and southern hemisphere. Yeah. 
that's because the different spots are actually described on the sphere as they project the image of uh, light across to the dome above. Mm -hmm. So one dome can only describe the southern hemisphere and one dome can only describe the southern, uh, the northern hemisphere. Modern ones, of course, are run by LED. So they're a single ball and they call them a star ball. And that's what like the Zeiss 9 and all of those editions of the of the projector are in modern day. But he's got an old school projector that will only describe one hemisphere or the other. But. <laughs> but. Um, you actually never see it function as a projector in what would project over the dome as a projector of that design at the time, except in episode 33, where you see the constellations described above as Anthea's looking at them because she says, I would rather not look at the real stars. She's using the projector as it would be defined and as that projector of that design would display. Um, the whole rest of the series, it's describing and showing a projector of modern day where you would see a digitalized projection of the mo of the sphere of sky, depending on when you decided at any particular time. Yeah, and it doesn't matter the, the placement. Ball. It doesn't yeah. matter the placement. So everyone else that is looking at the projector when he's using it is basically looking at something completely incongruent with the projector as you've sh been shown. Okay, so and we're all just do you that. do you hear this technical shit? Because I don't even understand <laughs> this at this point. I'm just saying. I, I like, said a mistake. Yeah, here. I yeah. just I just trust that what she's saying <laughs> is true. Yeah, no, I and I mean I do too. It's just that I'm like I'm okay. like lost after the point where it's like, okay, there's the one I'm that sorry, does the I northern hemisphere, up. and then the one that does no, no. But like I'm up. learning. Okay. Even now I'm learning. You're learning. Okay, yeah. I should shut the fuck. No, what I? Keep going. <laughs> Go. Yes, keep going. Basically, um, the Starball projectors of the kind you would see at, say, uh, the Rose Center. It's called that. Yes, in New York City, oh, the Rose okay. Center. It is called that. I didn't name it. <laughs> the Rose Center in New York City, or the projector in Nagoya, which I didn't uh -huh. go to simply because I knew the same projector was being used in New York City, so I didn't feel the need to stop on the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I wasn't going to get an upgrade, but those kind of projectors can project whatever they want at any point because they're a single sphere that projects LED lights and it's a completely digitalized experience, whatever. Mm -hmm. But the kind that Akio has only depicts one hemisphere or the other at a given time. And he runs with that metaphor and they run that metaphor into the ground, like, I mean, into the floor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Into the floor. <laughs> into the floor. <laughs> into the floor. <laughs> but it's, it's this interesting kind of deceit because in episode 33, Anthe is looking at a projection of the constellations onto the ceiling and that is the image you get when you use a projector of that kind, because I've actually been in a planetarium using a projector of that kind, and that's what mm -hmm. they depict. They don't have the keenness of technology or the modernness to change that image much. So what they do is throw up onto the ceiling, you know, these different dots that say, this is where this constellation is. This yeah, is where this constellation this is. Where Sirius is. But this it's is a very, exactly. Is. It's yeah. a very static image. Anthe is using the projector in a literal sense. Every other scene in the series is the projector functioning at a level above what its design is. 
It's yeah. literally like, like when he's say talking to uh, Utena and he's discussing how Utena is a special person among the normal multitudes. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. a choice one. Yeah. Uh, that's when he's on his lawn chair. Yeah. yeah, lack yeah. Of a and better she's doing fucking her bridge. And... and she's doing like a bridge headstand because they've decided they can work out together yeah. or whatever. Yeah. yeah. What is it with Utena and headstands? Uh, that's a different thing physical awkwardness I'll, I can go there if you want Why? Okay. No. <laughs> I was, that, that was, was just a throwaway joke <laughs> but no seriously I can go there that's super simple I believe though. it that is super simple though her she's comfort just, with her own she, body she's comfortable with her own body she's more comfortable with her body than what's going around her like she doesn't stretch exactly like Akio says something that she's not comfortable with, so she stretches because she's more no. comfortable with herself. No, he does that after the fact. Well, yeah, but, but I'm just saying, like, that's the that's the whole reason that Utena yeah. is the way she is about her body. She's comfortable with her body. She's not comfortable with the things that people are asking of her. Exactly. She's yeah. comfortable with her body. She's not comfortable with what Akio wants to do with mm -hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Hence episode 33. Hence episode 33. But <sighs> the projector you as know, it's used in okay, the show so, is completely no. alien <laughs> to the kind of projector <laughs> we're fighting. We're fighting. I'm just saying whenever episode 33 comes up, I make salmon and omelets with asparagus for her. <laughs> uh, oh no. Yes. It is actually a tasty combination. It's very tasty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just get so deeply sad. I know. Yeah, and episode 33 is like actually it's awful. Truly her. Here's a cool, cool side. Just to give you an aside that might actually might get into the final edit it edit as opposed to any of this. <laughs> I'm sorry. So Oh yeah, um, we're cutting all this out. This is yeah, all yeah, this, this is, is all gonna go. This is all gonna Nobody's go. gonna hear this except for me and my editor. Understood. Who gives a fuck? But um, so for the 20th anniversary, uh, Village Vanguard, which is a cafe in Tokyo, did like a special Utena themed menu. And when they do oh, this, I think I heard about yeah, that. And when they do this kind of thing, they decorate the cafe and Utena themed stuff. And most of it tends to be in the sense of here's some Utena merchandise here and here's some pictures of Utena here. I have a person that went to this and they took a bunch of pictures and there is only one thing that is an exception to that rule. So you have pictures of the Utena manga and Utena pictures and Utena swag and Utena uh, the cowbell and all of this. There is a copy among all of these other random Utena labeled things of Lolita. The book. Mm. Hmm. And it exists in isolation to everything else. Nothing else of that sort is there, including uh, Herman Hess's Demian, which is where the egg speech come from. Oh, we actually, right? I didn't know that until we started this podcast. And then while we were recording the first episode, Alice just drops that on me and is like, I'm pretty sure this is a reference to this thing. Yeah, and it is. It 100% is. And I've read Herman Hess's Deviant, Demian. But that is not the reference that this group chose to make. Instead of having a copy of Demian, they have a copy of Lolita. And I think oh. that is extremely telling insofar as what they felt was relevant to relate to the series. 
because thanks i hate it thanks i hate it 100 percent. because episode 33 i think is literally their nod to lolita the entire episode is framed from akia's point of view it's you're, awful you're in uh, akia's point that of episode view stresses me out it should it's, oh i think it's designed that way but that's, I think yeah it's, that's it's, what it's supposed to do it is supposed well, to good. be good i hate it <laughs> you good yeah you it. no because the audience Good, you did your put, job asshole <laughs> the audience is put in the position of taking utina's in- innocence away for granted and, and like it just like it's you're horrifying. the one who's doing this you are the person, you are the person doing that's this. doing this it doesn't matter whether you're akio or not you're still by your voyeurism complicit party. in her rape exactly basically it's awful and I actually, that is probably, in my sense, probably one of the most impressive sequences of yes. the episodes because of what it elicits from the audience. People hate that episode, and they should. They should. That is their yeah, Alice, um, Alice did not record that episode with me. I brought in I a, know. Uh, a friend. I, I watched that. <laughs> I listened to that. And it's... It's just the most uncomfortable and most unsettling episode because it is supposed to elicit that experience of being in Akio's point of view, the place you don't want to be. Yeah, exactly. You want this whole episode to be able to relate to Utna. You want to be in her shoes experiencing this from her point of view, which is not a good point of view either. But you want to be able to suffer it alongside her and experience alongside her and be like, this is terrible alongside her. But the staging and the shots and the way that they use it force you into Akio's, Akio's point, point of view. view. The entire episode, you are Akio. You're watching her uh, watch that episode of You're wrestling. You're watching her break down. Yeah. You're watching her convince herself that this is the right what thing to do. You are silently watching her make herself do this. Like... It kind of, it's I don't sick. know if I, I don't know if I just have this comparison on the brain because I watched a video about this recently, but it kind of reminds me just the way you guys are talking about it reminds me a little bit of, um, the scene in end of Evangelion and you know, the scene in the beginning of the movie. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, you sort of are, like, by the way it's directed, forced into the perspective of Shinji in that moment. And what he does with that moment is masturbate. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And and I think it is. Like, you're right. I haven't thought of it that way before, but it is that same sense of voyeuristic satisfaction. have that, like, they've got Uh, that romance. Yeah. They're a little Oh, I've heard about that. Yeah. Yeah. They're, They're bros, those two. But there's, and and I agree completely that there's this sense of, like, explicit and gleeful mm-hmm. voyeurism in both cases. Mm-hmm. And with episode 33, I think part of it is, like, there's a sense of when you first watch it and people first watch it, it was uncomfortable because you saw what happened to Utena and she lost her virginity under these terrible circumstances and you relate to her in that sense. And we all hate it because of that. Yeah. But... As you think about it and as you rewatch it and as time goes by, you begin to realize that you are not seeing that episode from her point of view. You're not 
experiencing her loss of virginity and her verse, her loss of innocence from her point of view. You're experiencing it from Akio's. Yeah, from the point of view of somebody who is taking that from and her. And he's enjoying it. Yeah. This is explicitly... This is what I'm about to say is terrible, but I know I'm among terrible here, so I'm not afraid to say it. But um, when my ex and I watched Utena for the first time, and we after that episode, it sort of became like an inside joke between us, where we would just like we'd be like doing nothing, and it would have nothing to do with Utena, and then one of us would go, "Hey, you remember that Utena fucked Akio?" Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. just to make each other freaking furious yeah yeah and it should and absolutely it's, absolutely it's just something that like i hate to think about the fact that that is a thing that happened because it makes me upset okay seen... you know you know what really bugs me about the whole thing is um i was actually very much in the same position as utina in in that whole thing like my life very much echoed that situation so being told that I had no choice in it or being told that I did not have any agency in that really kind of bugs me. Like on the one hand, I totally get it. Like being manipulated by an older person into that situation where you had to do that to get approval or you had to do that to prove to yourself that you were an adult or that kind of thing. Like a hundred percent. I get that. On the other hand, I lived through a situation like that and it's not that clear cut. Yeah. I, um, and I just like, I know that you guys won't assume the worst of what I'm going to say, but like, just as a clarification for like listeners, I want to like make sure that everyone knows that I'm not trying to victim blame in any way, yeah, but I don't, oh, think oh, that, oh. I don't think that the statement Utana chose to take the actions that she did and Utana was being manipulated by Akio are mutually exclusive. No, no, no God, no. Not. God no, that but yeah. but that's and I know that's what you horror. guys are getting at, that's, but like I, I just yeah, wanted to put that out there. I think exactly. that's what's so complicated about it is it's Akio is so scary because he gave her that agency in so he far gave as her, a child could have it. He set which is up not a situation where the only choice that she could make was one that benefited him. He said, "I guess it is a little bit to ask." Yeah, like it's. It's it's scary because it is exactly the way an adult could prey on a child. I think as an adult watching it now, what's scary about that is because I mean I watched as a child and recognized that and was scared by it. But watching it as an adult now, I see how little changes. That is still exactly how a more clever and capable adult could prey on another adult. Truly. Mm -hmm. Like it's not hard to take advantage of another person's desire to please or empathy or need for approval that way. It's mm -hmm. could, because like 
Utena is presented as this very juvenile entity and all of her needs and goals and desires are considered very juvenile in the context of the series. And Akio takes advantage of them. Definitely. And it's horrifying to see because you don't want any of the things she takes, she has taken advantage of destroyed that way because they're such noble traits. She wants to help people. She wants to make everybody, including herself, feel good about themselves. And he just takes advantage of that and destroys it. Mm -hmm. But the terrible thing is you advance her by 10 or 15 years and she's the same kind of person. And Akio takes advantage of that the exact same way. You can be a grown-ass 25-year-old adult and still be taken advantage of in that same way because you mean well for people and you want people to feel good about themselves and you want to feel you good about yourself. the best of people. Yeah, and yeah. you want to believe that he has ultimately a noble purpose for people. And that's what's truly terrifying and what stuck with me over time is at the end of the day, the thing he does to Utena doesn't hinge, and I thought this for a very long time, that it hinged on her innocence. Mm-hmm. But as I've gotten older, frankly, and more jaded and more exposed to the adult world, I've shifted that perspective. And I don't think what he takes advantage of is necessarily her innocence, per se, but her good intentions. And good her intentions. Hope. Yeah, exactly. Her, in- her good intentions and her hope for people in the long run that persists way into adulthood. And it's clear to see that me at. 15 would have been no more immune to that than me at 30. Everybody wants to think that they wouldn't yeah, fall for that. Exactly. Nobody wants to think that yeah. they would fall for that, but we would all fall for that because what he's selling is a better standard for everybody. Exactly. When he's not. And he preys on her good intentions and he preys on her faith in people instead of her innocence. Because it is as easy to assign her innocence to be what he preys on because that's the thing that we all don't have as mm. viewers like oh he preys on her innocence i would never fall for that because i'm not innocent anymore that's i mean anybody who says that's just a fool yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry yeah, like any anybody who looks at an abusive situation and goes oh i wouldn't get myself caught in that you're a you're a liar and you're an and idiot that's sorry. a major feature of the hna fandom is believing that you wouldn't get caught in the fictions yeah. that say totally cool they're dumb either. sorry yeah I wouldn't if, you, if, if you're that. listening to this and you think that like you i'm you're being like i don't know like willfully yeah. dismissive of the experience of abuse victims exactly Absolutely. exactly and i've never wanted to sell that short I think I've just wanted to, as I get older, emphasize how how much I haven't grown out of that vulnerability. Someone selling that line could sell it as well to a 25-year-old as they could a 15-year-old. Yeah. I mean, some of the wording would shift, obviously. Yeah, like... but that's He'd terrifying. have to adjust his strategy some, but I mean, like... Yeah. He's no one is safe. We, we are all... We all have the potential to fall victim to terrible people. And that's like, what really pisses me off about like <laughs> the fandom in general is people that are like, oh, that would never happen to me or that would never. And, <sighs> yes, it would. I just. Yeah. Well, cool. I'm glad it hasn't happened to you, but maybe listen to people to whom it has. Yeah. Exactly. And Utsuna is depicted 
throughout. And I think even from like moment one as this incredibly strong act, uh, character and actor in her own life. And like, we make fun of her. We make fun of we her. Make we make fun of her all the her. time because but we, we love to show I love Utena, but God, like she's very dumb sometimes. Yeah. She's the village idiot. That's the end. <laughs> like that's just but, how it goes. But she is purely good and she is, truly Mm -hmm. wanting the best for everyone she is this beacon that we can all look up to and be like you know what even when she's an idiot i wish i were more like her because she's an idiot for all the right reasons because she believes yeah exactly dude that's a big fucking mood right Mm -hmm. but we also watch her get beaten sadistically for this yeah we we watch yeah but that's not her fault like well you know and by the world, I mean an, as an extension to Akio, but the world, comma, ends of. Right. She's mm-hmm. punished for this belief in the faith of other people and all this stuff. But it is clear that she's the person that you're supposed to look up to, and you do. But I think it's easy to look up to that and want to be like that and see how clearly that is difficult. Like episode 33 depicts that so clearly. Like, you can look up to that and want to be like that and want to embody that faith in other people, but you will suffer for it. Mm-hmm. You will suffer it for it because there's always an Akio around the corner that's going to take you to the carnival and make you believe for a moment. And then he's going to fuck you, literally. You no know? good deed. No good deed goes unpunished. Yep. You're right. Exactly that. And I think that's unfortunately one of the things that Utena preaches for the best and for the worst. Mm-hmm. You can believe in the best and you can want to do the best, but you better be prepared to be punished for it, even when that's the right way to see it. Because Utena definitely sells it as, like, the right way to see it. This is the best. Well, I mean, like, you can have the best intentions in the world and you can be doing all the right things and still fail. Exactly. Yeah. And you can still be flogged mercilessly by the world around you. Yeah. Yep. You don't thanklessly. Like, rightness has nothing to do with it. Right? Yeah. Like moral rightness is something that we determine for ourselves, but it, the outside world doesn't have that same kind of determination. No. And well, there's no control for it. Mm-hmm. No. And you write your own rules. Like what I found really impressive and really kind of encouraging about Utena. And one of the reasons I harp on Akio is such an aggressive character this way. And, you know, given my older man thing, this kind of leads into this. <laughs> um, Utena experiences this, like, complete domination by an aggressive, older, more informed male character. But when push comes to shove in episode 33, when she's, like, being guilt-tripped and bullshitted and mm-hmm. jacked off about, oh, you were you jumped on this as fast as anybody else and all this crap that Akio swings at her. Yeah. She literally is like, no, fuck you. No, fuck you. This is none, none of this applies to me. None of this tells anything about me. I'm above this. You know, what you say about how this panned out isn't important because you were the person in power and you got to decide the terms of this arrangement. And, the fact that I was a victim isn't... He fucking seduced her and then tried yeah, to slut-shame yeah, exactly. her for it. You're trying to slut-shame me when you were the aggressive, you know, controlling attribute in all of this. Fuck you. Yeah. And 
to me, that was one of the most empowering things about her is that she clearly sees that she was a victim of this aggressive, overwhelming, dominating force and is like, yeah, you don't matter. What you have to say doesn't matter. You got to run roughshod around me because you were the more informed and more capable and more, more adult entity in the two of us. I was a fucking child and you took advantage of me. Eat shit. Mm -hmm. And that's basically what she says. You know, he tries to guilt trip her about, you know, you chose as much as anybody else to have sex with me, even though you knew I was engaged and all this crap he throws at her. (laughs) And it's it's so, like, bullshit. That conversation is Mm -hmm. so maddening to me. Like, I swear to God. And it is complete bullshit. And you know from the word go that it's bullshit and that she has no reason under God to be prey to this. And she's not. She's like, you know what? That was all of your crap. You completely dominated this situation and I'm not going to define myself based on your terms. Eat shit and die. You were a fling. You were a fling. (laughs) The end. (laughs) And she moves on from that. And to me, that was awesome. Awesome to see someone that experienced this, frankly, child sexual abuse, because that's what Mm -hmm. it is. Absolutely. He was sexually abusing the will and sentiments and emotions of a child. And she recognizes that. And she recognizes that this was way over my head. I wasn't ready for this. None of this should define who I was. And she says And then so. she just fucking follows through. And then she just walks the fuck right on. She's and just like, Akio's like, well, I guess we have to fight now. <laughs> and that's it. And, yeah. it's, and it's beautiful to see it. It's really encouraging, but it's uncomfortable to see too because you know the arc she had to go through to get there. Yeah. She had to see that he was banging well, and Anthe. It's it's a very uncommon arc too. Yeah. It's not something that happens to most people. No. Like I mean that's not Well, this show isn't what happens to most characters. But at the same time, it's still like that's something that is less relatable about the show because there's a lot that's relatable. It's just that that specific choice at that specific moment is the thing that kind of like raises Usuna above most people. And I think like, I don't know, like this might be straying into TMI, but... (laughs) Oh, because oh, yeah. you've been so uh, you you've been so reserved for the rest decorum, of the four right? hours decorum we've been recording. Our, decorum. Oh my god, it's been four. Oh, shut up. Just say your thing already. But you know, for someone who has experienced like childhood sexual trauma of a certain sort, you seeing someone like Utena just rise above and be like, you know what, this is not going to define who I am. This is not going to define what I am. This is not going to define the kind of decisions I make. This happened. It was balls. I don't believe a thing you have to say. That was incredibly encouraging for me. And I think for some people, they've had different experiences where getting to that point was more uncomfortable or less comfortable, or they've found something else that they identify with. Well, because a lot of the stuff in Utena surrounding that can Absolutely. be incredibly oh, triggering. Like, like I saw, like when I was listening to your podcast for the first time, and there was like a lot of like trigger warnings and spoiler warnings, and I'm sitting here like, LOL, because I've been mean, for 20 years. Yeah, really. I've been disregarding that. Hey, look, 
Look, I Absolutely. I just want to cover your yeah, right to do so. Yes. And I mean, for me, for 20 years, I've been like, whatever, deal with it. Mm-hmm. But it's absolutely right that you do so for me i haven't had those barriers because i've just been like throwing my hands up in the air whatever mm-hmm. but it's well it got to a point where for the most part we were just like this is basically we need a blanket yeah. trigger warning for the whole show like we gave more specific warnings when it came to certain particularly mm-hmm. intense episodes but like if we did uh if we were doing like oh, actual right. trigger warnings we would have to do one for every episode and, yeah. I, and i watched it really would and listen to kind of like the trigger warnings you offered beforehand the ones you offered for 33 and stuff like that and like on one hand i'm kind of like lol trigger warnings lol mm-hmm. and on the other hand i'm kind of like oh my god this is stuff that is really impactful and dangerous and uncomfortable for the people that are listening to it. And I tend to easily forget that because I've been dealing with it for 20 years yeah. and I've been like knee deep in this horse yeah. shit for so long. Mm-hmm. And I've forgotten how jarring and how uncomfortable something like 33 can be to somebody who has experienced or has seen similar things firsthand from more of a distance than I have because so much of like, like I said, I've been watching Uchina since I was 15 and I'm 34 <laughs> now. <laughs> so that's yep. a while. Yep. Um, so it's hard for me to like keep in mind those filters, but I tend to forget that for somebody watching that, that can be extremely uncomfortable and hard to watch for somebody because it is such a clear depiction of like, predatory behavior toward a a child and that's that's horrifying to see and i think like on one hand episode 33 is my favorite episode in so many ways because Mm -hmm. of how clearly it depicts that and how i don't know i don't i keep wanting to use the word classy but not classy (laughs) no yeah it deals with i think we understand what you mean there's there's i think a lot for somebody that has experienced literally that kind of experience firsthand to see there and to get some catharsis there from the point of view of the aggressor and the victim. But by the same token, from a remove, that is a horrifying episode to watch. And people that have watched that episode and gone like kind of shrug are to me people that have definitely not been paying attention mm-hmm. that is a yeah. horrifying episode yeah. To see. Yeah. yeah you're watching sexual abuse from the point of view of the aggressor you're the abuser you're the abuser in you're akio you're in the that one entire episode you're the one who's taking all of that innocence and all of that like investment in the idea of a prince you're the one who's taking all of that away yeah the entire episode, and I think actually that is something that was not clearly understood and discussed early on in the Utena fandom. When we all first watched episode three, that's not how we saw it. That's not how we discussed it. We saw it as this like really fucked up weird episode, but it didn't really come to light. I think until maybe like almost a decade later that we were watching that episode from Akio's point of view. Mm-hmm. You are Akio the whole time. Yep. Like when Utena is like doing her weird stretches, talking about wrestlers and stuff, you are Akio watching her do that. Mm-hmm. You are Akio watching her like fuss over how she's losing at Othello. 
it's fucked up. It's, it's terrible. really fucked up. It's terrible. It's bad. It's it uncomfortable. Really and it really is like on one hand that's my favorite episode in some ways and probably to me the like yardstick for whether you're really into the show is whether you can sit through that episode and discuss (laughs) it (laughs) by the same token um like watching it it's if if you can finish that episode and do anything but stare blankly at the screen for about 20 minutes after, I don't feel like you've watched the episode. Yeah. It is a terrible, horrifying, disgusting episode, and sometimes I wonder how they got it on air. Mm-hmm. Except for how subtle it is, but it's Lolita. It's yeah, Lolita. Yeah, as... As horrific as it is, it, it is, is shockingly like, so. I don't think it's immediately apparent. And for the American fandom, it really wasn't. Like, as someone that was there at the time, it took several years before we all accepted that we were watching it as Akio. You are mm-hmm. Akio. Yeah. You yeah. are Akio, which is a horrifying thing to say and a horrifying thing to think. But that whole episode outside of the discussions of like, are you Ken to call a Kent or whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. Those those sequences are different. Yeah. But anytime you're watching what Utene is doing in that episode, you are Akio. You're watching it from wherever he's sitting. You're watching it from wherever he's standing. You're watching it from his point of view and your gaze is his. Mm-hmm. When you focus on her face, he's watching her face. When you focus on her hand, he's watching your hand. It's sick. And it's uncomfortable. Yeah, I definitely think that we should do... I know we've already covered that episode because we did the whole series. But I definitely think that like, at some point in the near future, before we put Utsuna aside to start Yuri Kuma, I think it would probably be cool to have you... It would probably be just the three of us talking about that episode. But I think that... um, I think that it would be a very good addition to uh, the canon (laughs) of this podcast to have, like, you guys on to talk about this episode because this is, like, this is a lot. And, like, in a good way, like, I'm 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 loving this so much. But we've also been recording (laughs) for four hours. (laughs) That's us. I would love to do that because, like I said, but also, we are definitely, definitely going to mm-hmm. watch along through me. Because I'm an Akio fan. You are an Akio fan, so you like to talk And I like the lot. sound of my own voice. Over and over. Yes. We're definitely going to do a watch along for the any musical. Space for sure. I'll have you know. Uh, fuck off with your shit right <laughs> now. I could. <laughs> what I'm saying is I could. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I need to go to bed, so we're gonna wrap this up, and maybe oh, next, next week we'll do okay, we'll record the watch. Yeah. Oh, right, that's right. Yeah. Okay, look, yeah. we'll we'll set it up. We don't even we don't have to talk about this on the recording. That's yeah. for post show conversation. But um, if you would like to follow, if you the listener would like to follow the show on Twitter, you could do that at Utenacast. And if you would like to follow me on Twitter, you could do that at Impandonata. Where can the listeners follow you guys on the internet should you wish to be found? Yeah, at Empty Movement on Twitter, I think. Uh, At Otori underscore NU is the Twitter feed. Yes. Otori.nu is our website. 
it's a tiny website of not much yeah note. and then emptymovement.tumblr.com Empty Movement is a really great website that everybody needs to check out. We've used it as a reference on our podcast, like on across multiple episodes. Like we just would like pull things to have stuff to talk about while we were talking about other stuff. I can't even like I can't even describe. I've been talking about like the fact that I was going to record this episode <laughs> with you guys for like literal like weeks. Like this has been so great, and I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm so glad, glad you this happened. It. We have no sense of you know brevity, <laughs> shame. It's whatever. <laughs> no, yeah. dude, that's totally and fine. As far as Yuri Kuma goes, yes, <laughs> let's We're down do to that. Watch it. We're yeah. Down. Yes, absolutely. Once we once we get to where we're about to start yeah. Yuri Kuma, we will definitely. Uh, May, try to get a schedule worked out for that, that because be. that would be Definitely. so good. But yeah. So otori.nu, otori underscore nu is our Twitter. At otori underscore nu. Yeah. Yes. All right. If you Google it, it won't be hard to find. We're empty movement. <laughs> and the yeah. translators actually shifted their translation to suit us. Yes. Because we'd have the websites. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It is. That's it? amazing. It's like, I have power. Real, real <laughs> power. No. Not just bullshit Akio power. But we actually if, don't. So if you were listening if if you were listening and you would like to come on the show to talk about anything Revolutionary Girl Utana, you can either hit us up on Twitter or you can email us at imagineandutana at gmail.com. And uh, if you would like to buy something with our logo on it, which is basically just text over the Utana flower, rose crest, you can do that at the link that's in our pinned tweet on Twitter. And... I don't remember if that's all of our credits because Alice isn't here to help me. So I'm just going to call it quits tonight. It's like 1.30 in the morning where I am and we've been recording for four hours and this has been great. And I can't wait to, I'm probably going to cut yeah, this really. into like three episodes. <laughs> all right. So this is, no, do not apologize. This has been one of the best episodes okay, we've ever so recorded. Sorry. We missed anybody. We still love you. We love all of you. Yes. The end. We're definitely going to ha have you guys back on for <laughs> multiple Utana episodes before this is over. Right. Yeah. If you guys want to, if you guys want to read it, have you guys yeah. both read the manga? Yeah. Yep. I assume you have. You would like to come on for the oh, last God. episode of the manga that we do. We don't have a guest for uh, volume okay. five of the manga let yet. Get, <laughs> let us get through Look, that'll be weeks from now, so like you don't have to commit right Let now. Let us it's get fine. through Odafest first, and then we'll think about other things. Right now, we're just like, oh god, we have to host actual panels. I can't wait yeah, to hear how Odafest goes. I really I'm very excited for you guys. It. I really do, and there, are, like, one of our friends came up from New Orleans. One of our friends came up from Missouri. Like. It's it's going to be a thing. I'm hoping that one of them will be able to record it in such a, a state that we'll be able to release it for people's um, mastication. Just chewing it over, figuring it out. <laughs>
Well, I hope yeah. I hope that it gets recorded so that I get to we listen were, to it. That'd be amazing. We were ad- originally talking about having like web participation in it, but um, we figured that with the fact that it is a drinking game for the most part, uh, <laughs> yeah, best to keep it simple. <laughs> it's the fabulous hair drinking game, by the way. Just so you know. Every time the movie Amazing. has fabulous I'm hair, it's a drink. So, oh well, exactly. you guys are going to die of alcohol poisoning. <laughs> that was better than roses. Okay. <laughs> oh God, yeah, yeah. All right, revolutionize we'll the world, everybody. Have a good night. Were you yeah. going to say something else, just or are you just saying night. have a good night? Gio is off somewhere else right now. I'm over here. <laughs> have okay. a good night. Good night. Um, revolutionize the world uh what the fuck are you doing